The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO, the lending partner with the products, people, and technology to serve your customers and help you grow your business in the best ways possible. It's why they say, at PennyMac, greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is Division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender. NMLS ID number 35953. Loans not available in New York. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Better.com became famous last year after laying off 900 employees over Zoom, and now it's facing a lawsuit from one of its former top executives. This is The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network, and today I'm joined by editor Dave Krzyzewski. Dave, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on. So tell me a little bit more about this lawsuit. Uh, obviously, it's coming from a former executive. Was she laid off, or what is what is this coming from? Uh, yeah, Better.com had, had some issues over the last six months to a year. And this just sort of seems to bring combine all of it and bring it to a head. A, a former C-suite executive, her name is Sarah J. Pierce, and her actual title was Executive Vice President for Sales and Operations. But in the lawsuit, she calls herself the de facto chief operating officer for the company. She was terminated in February and has filed a lawsuit in U.S. Uh, Southern District Court in New York. Um, basically accusing the company and the CEO of defaming her, of misleading investors, of uh, doing a number of things wrong, particularly involving that layoff of 900 workers and whether they actually followed proper procedures and labor laws in doing so. So it kind of brings all of it together in one lawsuit. There's a lot to unpack there. I guess in her mind, when does this all start? Well, it really started maybe before that call, but the the, nine, the Zoom call in which the CEO, uh, Vishal Garg, got on and shocked everybody by announcing without any notice going out ahead of time that they were going to cut 900 jobs and lay off 900 people. That really caused an uproar. And following that, there was an internal memo that, that eventually be, was made public in which he described uh, Better.com staff members as dumb dolphins. I still don't know what that means, but it's probably not good. Uh, so he ended up being forced to take a month off by the board of directors. But obviously, it, it had a big impact on morale. And in the meantime, in the C-suite, there were some battles going on because Sarah Pierce felt that the CEO was making statements that were not true was doing things in ways that didn't follow the law, whether we're talking labor law or talking securities law, and brought those concerns to the attention of a number of different people in the executive suite, including the general counsel, including the CFO, including the board of directors, and got nowhere, and eventually felt that she was being retaliated against for doing that, and then eventually fired because of it. What kind of things was she saying that Garg was saying that weren't true? Well, one of the bigger ones was he was constantly making statements that the company was going to be solvent, making money by the first quarter of this year. Uh, and there was no way that was going to happen. Last year, the company lost $304 million. 
And that was part of the impetus for the layoffs. And they actually did two or three rounds of layoffs plus a buyout to try to get their numbers down to where they were manageable. And she felt that not only did he make those statements repeatedly, both to the board members and publicly to reporters and others, but that no one in the C-suite was stopping him from doing that, despite her best efforts to get him to be more honest about what was happening. And so what does Pierce say in terms of Garg trying to get rid of her? Obviously, we know she was fired, but I think in the lawsuit, there was some allegations that, you know, this wasn't just, hey, you're fired. That What did she say that he tried to do to sort of push her out? Well, he started blaming her for the financial problems, sort of using her as a scapegoat. You know, she wasn't the chief financial officer. She, she wasn't, you know, she, technically she wasn't the chief operating officer. She didn't have that title. Although she did have 85% of the more than 10,000 employees under her direct supervision. But she was in the C-suite. She'd seen the financial report. She had seen what was going on with the company. She was well aware of what was going on with the company. She'd been there for a long time. She'd gotten a number of promotions to different positions. She had a base salary just before she was fired of a million dollars plus another million dollars in add-ons and bonuses and stock options, things like that. So. If she's getting promoted and being, you know, giving raises, obviously she, they thought she was doing a good job. Yet the CEO started saying bad things about her, and eventually uh, it led to her being fired. Don't miss the nation's largest show for successful mortgage pros. Originator Connect returns to Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, August 18th through the 21st. See us at OriginatorConnect.com. It's simply the greatest mortgage conference in the known universe. OriginatorConnect.com. The some of those misleading statements, particularly regarding revenue that you mentioned, they, they were happening before a merger. What what happened with that merger? The merger still has not happened. It was announced last May in 2021. It was revised again in November, but it still hasn't gone through. And again, when you're involved in a merger like that, there's a quiet period you're supposed to have. There's you're supposed to make sure that all the financial information is provided to all the investors and is accurate and up to date and honest. And Sarah Pierce claims that that was not what was happening. Uh, and it may be part of the reason why the, the deal hasn't gone through to this point. Uh, you know, there was other uh, issues that were raised where uh, Garg sent an email uh, suggesting that the metrics of the company are quote, a black box. And, you know, Sarah Pierce took exception to that because that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, and at one point, they even told her she was. I wish she received an email telling her that they were going to ex to act on her resignation letter, and she hadn't filed a resignation letter. So she really felt like she was being had become the target of the company's ire. Yeah, that would certainly raise a red flag. <laughs> Thanks for your resignation letter. I didn't write one. Yeah. <laughs> so what did what did uh, better say? Did Garg say anything in response to this or did the company say anything? The company basically just said that uh, they don't believe the case has any merit. Uh, it was interesting. They sent an email from an attorney that said, we don't comment on cases like this on lawsuits. And then they commented on the lawsuit saying that they don't believe the claims are true and that they believe they did everything uh, properly and that the, the lawsuit has no merit. Uh, for her side, she's she's seeking a significant amount of money in this case. Uh, when you add it all up, there's there's five different counts that are actionable, and it includes everything from uh, defaming her to 
not prop- acting properly as a f- uh, financial fiduciary for for uh, investors. Uh, all told, she's seeking uh, in punitive and compensatory damages uh, like one hundred and ninety five wow. million dollars. And that's that's a lot of money for a company that lost three hundred and four million dollars last year. It's a lot of money for most companies. <laughs> So what does she tie that to? I mean, do you have a breakdown of, you know, the 195, you mentioned it's a combo of compensation and and, uh, punitive. I mean, just compensation side, I mean, what is she pointing to? So again, like I said, there's five causes of action. The first one is against the company and the CEO claiming they violated New York labor laws. That's in part involving the retaliation she felt she was receiving. She considers herself a whistleblower by having gone to the board and other executives to complain about what was happening. Uh, and for that, she's seeking $25 million in compensatory damages and $50 million in punitive damages. Uh, at the same time, she another actual uh, cause is that Garge breached his fiduciary duty and she's seeking similar amounts, $25 million for compensatory and $10, uh, $50 million for punitive. Um, She's also seeking $5 million in compensatory and $10 million in damages, uh, punitive damages for Garg defaming her. Um, and she's seeking similar amounts for Garg and a general counsel who's named specifically in the report for inflicting emotional distress. And then lastly, she's uh, cited the uh, general counsel for aiding and abetting the CEO in his breach of fiduciary duty. So obviously that whistleblower status is is critical to her to her lawsuit. Yeah, the the lawsuit begins by stating that this is basically a uh, case about retaliation against a whistleblower. Everything else kind of flows from that, but yeah, that that that's the primary uh, reason she brought the case in the first place. Well, Dave, thanks so much for breaking this down. You're welcome. And we'll have more right after this word. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to learn more about becoming a partner and starting your journey to greatness. Here's your headlines for today, June 9th. The first quarter of 2022 was one of the worst years for mortgage originations, according to a report released today by Adam. The report shows lenders issued $892.4 billion worth of mortgages in the first quarter of 2022. That was down quarterly by 17% and annually by 27%. Freddie Mac reported that mortgage rates were up 14 points this week, up to 5.23% for the 30-year fixed. And finally, the FHFA released its plans on how it's going to help Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac make the loan process easier for Blacks and Latinos. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Cutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.